Wake up, wake up, wake up, fam, bam. It's your girl, Jess. Jess, be real. And welcome back for another episode of Jess, be real podcast. Today, the realist is Joey V, a.k.a. Joey Vandana, one of my bestest. Why am I still chatting? Let's get real. All right, we got the realest with us, Joey V, a.k.a. Joey Vandana. The homie since like middle school, for real, for real. Like been the homie, nobody, somebody who knows. If y'all want to know somebody who know me, know me. Is this guy here? Like he spanked yes, my ass so. in PS2. I still want my rematch because COVID came in between that happening. I had my games okay. ready, but I will be ready with a vengeance. I'm sitting here waiting. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely one of the homies. Definitely had to get you on this episode called "I Got the Drip, I Got the Sauce." Um, it was only right because one, you're like one of the flyest dudes I know. What I feel flattered. Wow. Two, your jersey collection is impeccable. And if y'all don't know, I am a jersey fiend. But guess where it came from? It's true. This that guy true. right here. This guy right here got me on the jerseys. Like, I'm like, yo, he got some swaggy swag swag. Then he got the <laughs> illest kicks to go with it. Like, I wish I would have seen what he wore to this wedding last year, bro. This kimono, bro, with these freaking ones. Mind you, they were light pink. Yo, he was killing the game. Killing it. That's drip. Nonetheless, he's in the culinary profession, so it's only right. That's why it's called. I got the drip. I got the sauce. Get it? Play on words. Dripping sauce. So you know, my man Joe. My mother adores this dude, bro. I don't. I don't. I'm still trying to figure out why. <laughs> she adores this dude. He helped me pack up my life when I was going to Dell State my freshman year. Y'all probably seen that picture on uh, my, my business page for B-Real Relations. It's a throw, throw, throw back, you know, when I had the creamy crack. <laughs> but it's my homie, my people's, one of my dearest and bestest friends ever. So we just going to jump right into it, Joe. So as a black man, what do you feel defines you as a black man? I don't really, I don't know if there's a, a definite answer to that because I feel like being a black man is so much like, I don't say responsibility, but like it's a lot of pressure. So it's like to walk around and think like something has to define you is a lot. I think just be you. Like just just know you're black though. It's like that's very important. Like niggas gotta know, like, you know what I'm saying? But like it's still be you. You don't have to have your life like I'm a black man, I'm a black man, because that'll that'll wear you out. Always say being woke ruins everything. Like it just Yo, I feel that too. And I feel like just like us black women, they always try to box y'all in. Yes. I think black women even more so though, honestly. Bro, but we we not even gonna go on that. We don't even notice it because it's just so embedded in the culture and history. Like it's just second nature almost and it's bad. Say that again. Say that again. It's embedded in culture it's, and history. Yeah. It's so bad. And I it's not nothing that we made to be a part of our culture, but what the man put as our culture as oppression. Yeah. It's not us. Like it's a wild situation when we think about it, like We've came a long way, but like as you can we see, we have a lot more to go. Especially with the world, more. especially I know that's what I said, and I asked him to say what defines you as a black man, only because with everything going on in the world, black men are like the main target for society right now. Yeah. Given you have black women too, and we fall to the wayside, but that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. But black men, literally, there's a target on your back. Y'all are mainly the threat because a lot of y'all are now waking up and are educated so much, the world doesn't want to see you excel. Yeah. So it's definitely seeing, I don't know, it's just like, I just can't, I don't let being a black man define me. I mean, not, I don't know, I kind of. Like, you wouldn't even know he's me. black, guys. He has the most chinkiest eyes in the world. He looks blazing. Uh, I have a nice friend. Okay, I'm, I'm getting dark. I'm tanning. My palms are getting dark. I'm trying. Thanks to the thanks to the sun. That's when you know he's getting some melanin in his skin. <laughs> but it's just like, I don't know. I just, for example, like in the culinary world, like I know it's not a lot of people of color, not a lot of black people in the culinary world, a lot of executive chefs. So when I got to that position and I started to hire my own staff, I made sure I would always look out for just the people that look like me. Like my um, first two chef at the time, or as my man, like 50 grand, whatever, he was great. Um, I remember he just got out of jail. He gave me this long, like, soliloquy and, like, synopsis about his life. He gave me his resume. Yeah, prep work here. I knew he could cook. I knew he was going on the line. And I was just like, yo, you're hired. Like, it was nothing for me. And I remember we had a conversation later on, and he was like, yo, thank you for giving me a chance. Like, you know, I'm an ex-con, blah, blah, blah. I 
was like, yo, my nigga, you black? You use a knife? I was giving you like that's how I get down. Like, Amanda Seal said it best. We are each other's business. If we don't look out for each other, how can we? Ever, if you don't put that step, put down that plat for somebody else to be able to make that next step after you took it, what is the point of trying to excel? Who are you doing it for? Who are you doing it for? So that also comes. We're going to come back to the culinary part. But what 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 do you feel makes it hard? Given that you are boxed in as a black man, and people that's what people define you. Like when they see they're going to like, oh yeah, he's a nigga, he's black. Like, what do you feel makes it hard as a black man, especially now in today's society? Um, I can't speak to I can't speak to mostly every black man's story. It's just we're stigmatized, we're feel like a threat, or we're fetishized. Like it's never. Sometimes it doesn't feel like genuine love. I know with me, it's just little stuff like. My stature alone, like I'm six two, I'm two eighty five, I'm huge and I'm big, and I, you know, so like I carry my weight. I have a beard. I could look intimidating in the sun with a tattoo. So like, it's annoying. I get looked at all the time. And me, I'm very just like you can say hello, like right. He's the biggest. Te- he's just a teddy bear, guys. In reality, he is. He's the sweetest. <laughs> he's the sweetest, guys. No, no, no. <laughs> he's like Ted. If you want to go ahead and be honest, he's like Ted. He can flip a switch if you if you mess with him. <laughs> But now, so you know, it's just, it's just like every day you kind of feel like you gotta watch your back, and it's whack, but it's kind of the norm almost. Like, it's and that's just sad though, those. because this this actual country was built off the backs of black men and black women. So it's yeah. to think about if you think about that in a, in a mindset of yo, this country was built off off my ancestors' back, and then I'm getting you know chastised for being who I am and the color I am. It's like what kind of shit is that? Like without me, this country wouldn't even freaking be here. Yeah, it happens all the time. Even a little stuff where you hear you speak so well, like I hear that all the time. Yo, I hate that shit. You talk uh-huh. white. That shit that or that when yeah. you're trying to make it sound like like you, black, you shouldn't be able to articulate. Black. That shit pisses me off, bro. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think you were black over the phone. It's like, yo, what? Like, I remember I went on a college tour and I walk in and like I didn't say anything. So of course, like, you know, no one. And later on in the college tour, one of the guests was like, when you walked in, I thought you were just so mean and like so angry. And you didn't mean like the sweetest city ever. And I was like, yo, what? Like, just, you didn't even know who I was. Just relax. Like, I'm on the college tour for a reason. I was Racial like, profiling what? at its finest. I mean, I'll give you some background. We did go to a predominantly white high school. I'm not gonna hold y'all. Yeah. It's called. It's literally called the School of Academic Excellence. Honestly, but well, like, I feel like, like you know, it was it was racial tension and all that. But like, white is kind of different. Is because like, Always. it's more so in your face. So you knew who was Hell on that yeah. funny shit. You knew it wasn't fucking with you. And then, especially my dynamic coming from Ferris and living up the street from Church Street, it's like. The hood's right at the bottom, and then you go up the street to the park, the church street, and it's like the suburbs. So like, you see the different neighborhood the kids. You're around the same kids, and then when eventually you get close, you know it's always crazy when like they come to your house for a sleepover because you know what their house is. Hell they're yeah! Like, oh wow! But like, you have the most fun ever. Like it's the craziest thing ever. And that and that and he brought up so y'all might not know what Ferris Avenue is, but Ferris Avenue definitely has like a project on it where pretty much it's you know, where a lot of African Americans or people of our culture live in. And Church Street is the elementary school that I actually went to, which was right up the hill. Gardella Park is where I used to be able, you know, to be, you know, live my best life. But literally if you go right down the hill, you had pretty much the projects right then and there, and I was right in your face. And to think like you had white kids going to this elementary school. Like, my childhood best friend was white, Jamie, which is who he knew, which he knows. And going to her house for sleepover, she's over there by the suburbs, right there by, you know, Lexington Avenue, right there on Broadway, where you have all these people living in these nice apartment complexes, high-rises, condos, co-ops. And then you have Ferris, which is literally right next door, two blocks over, and you have nothing but the hood. Same thing with the projects with Fisher. Literally, my church, Bethel, is literally smack dab in the middle of the projects, like, I grew up at the church. My church, home church, is literally in the middle of the projects. And a lot of my friends grew up there, and I'm still close with a lot of my friends there. But it's like you would never think how you have a school that's predominantly white with all the ethnic culture surrounding it. And you would think it would overpower. But literally, we were still a minute spectacle on that whole spectrum of culture. It's crazy to just think about that. And then to look at now from where we are now as adults, it's like, yo, damn, we were in some fucked up situations that were never in our favor. Like, they didn't expect us to excel. No, not at all. Like, the School of Excellence was really for those white kids who got, like, scholarships to, like, Penn and all those, like, Boston. You wasn't seeing many black kids, honestly, going to college, even though we were at a predominantly white school. But 
I mean, even for me, like I said before, I was in AP and honors classes. So yeah, I was considered a nerd, but I knew my capabilities that the other class was going to bore me. So why am I going to sit here and subject myself to be in a class I know I'm not going to pay attention to? That's stupid. That makes no yeah, sense. Like, Listen, graduating class. I remember the one thing I didn't like, though. I was remember uh, after the SATs results came out, like every black student that got above a certain grade, they called us to a room in, I think, the B-Wing. Yep. To, like, yep. Budget and like give us pizza and I was like the fuck is this and I was like I left I was like that's weird like right I didn't like I did well but not like not crazy to like it was it was like what the fuck is this like, it's like why ostracize me from my people because I'm doing what I'm I'm able to do yeah I was like huh like that was crazy I remember like they announced the names were the PA and I'm like oh fuck I think I'm in trouble I thought and so I too <laughs> and I'm like it's fucking pizza there in a banner like oh you guys got over certain corner SAT like oh it's like, fuck what like what. Like, shit like that was just wild. I feel like this shit is wild, too. And I think it was even more wild for me, too, because I was normally either... And I'm not going to say this as me trying to be against my own people, but I was always the one who had more swag, I would say, but wasn't an Oreo. Like, a lot of the black kids that were in my classes for APs and Honors were, like, Oreos. Like, they hung around the white kids. They were literally... That's what they were into, like, the pop and the rock. And I was more so, like, R&B, hip-hop. I got the vibe. I rock with y'all, but I ain't about to break bread with y'all like that. But I got the same capacity y'all got. But I'm going to let y'all know, like, just because I, I don't talk like y'all or I can turn it off and on doesn't mean I'm not able to excel just as much as well as you can. So, I mean, I was always a bunch social butterfly. Joe can attest to that. I didn't have a set. I had my set crew, but I would talk to everybody. But it was just different because a lot of my friends were not in my classes. Cause yes. they weren't able not no funny like you had to take a test to get into honors and AP classes like you did weren't just given that privilege like you had to pass a test you had to have a certain amount of grades you had to have a certain I guess criteria a lot of my friends didn't fit it so I was one of few that was like well where you going I'm about to go to A wing and I lived in A wing because that's where all the honors classes were and I feel like a way they also side of kind of segregated us like A wing was where they had all the white kids yeah. B wing was where you had all the black kids because it was near the H cafeteria, B cafeteria, where you had like Sonia, Katie, all them people, which you knew it was like, and that's where Miss King and them was. All of them was over there, but A wing was more so like Mr. E and all the whites. And I really just realized that like all the white kids was in A wing, like they wasn't really brought to our side or they was in G, which was like in the science area to be away from us. Which I just feel like that shit is crazy. To get back. Yeah, I'm just I saying. Remember, like a lot of us black, a lot of the black kids. I remember Miss Luke was my. Um, oh, I couldn't stand that, that woman. Whatever it was called. Nah, Miss Luke. At first, we had a rock relationship, but then something happened, and I can't speak out on this platform. And I mean, her got real cool. I'll tell you, you know, later. I'll tell you later. But like, me, I got real cool after that because it was just, it was a very wild. I know she was like, "What the fuck is going on?" But after whatever, whatever, what happened, me and her. Really cool. I think me and her kind of started to form a relationship after I she was because she was always an asshole to me and I never understood why but now that I'm older it was because she knew my potential and I kept trying to conform to fit in with my friends I being a goof off and a slacker she's like that's not you so why are you doing it like it didn't make sense then when I was 17 but now I'm like yo she was really looking out but let's get back on topic all right so to you what is drip to you um, honestly, I think it comes from, it comes from me, like, you personally, your personality, like, I'm a big, like, a big fashion influence is, like, my mom, like, and my grandmother. His like, mom like, is OD like, fly. His mom looks more like his sister than his mom on, on everything. So, like, even when I started getting, wearing jerseys, like, my first shoes ever I got from my grandmother, it was an old Randy Moisture that she used to wear, and it was a champion one. She gave it to me, and, like, I never wore Converse ever. But I wore those Magic Johnson purple and joint. I forgot they were called Aircon. Some like whatever. Like I went and got those. I know what you're talking about. That kind of started like I think it's personality because I wear such outlandish things like pearls all the time, like fucking Chanel scarves, like shit that most men don't wear. Like when I was bigger, I used to shop at Tory for their cardigans and their jeans. But like you would never know because for real, I just, I just rock. What exactly like? I mean, it was still fly as fuck, but still. This man laying brand heavy for the tees. Boy, what man support around the chest area? I'm in there. Oh, just so y'all know, like, Joe's had this crazy, insane weight loss, weight loss journey that's been, like, crazy for so, me. Like, I just look like 
And yeah, also just being big because my heaviest I was three fifty seven. You're so lying, bro. How hard it is to shop for cool shit in that size? So like, I had to fit what was comfortable. So like, a lot of thrifting or a lot of like, I remember at one point I shot up to Donald. Like he started wearing his NBA track pants because it was just comfortable, different styles, different colors. So I brought like a whole roster of the ripoff shits, mad white tees, and then we were just wearing Jordans. But it looks fly, but people didn't know because we're fat and we hot, so just for comfort. Like, <laughs> Yo, you're even stupid. I stopped, even I started wearing snapbacks. The fitted craze was getting on my nerves because I got a big ass head. I wore size eight and fitted. Remember niggas wearing the Me stickers? Me and you too, yes. That shit was embarrassing. Niggas see a sticker size eight wasn't going Word, to or like Or like Me 7 and 5 eighths, which is damn near an eight. Yeah. <laughs> Going right to the thrift store, I need a snapback. You don't know what size I wear. And then that's how that shit started. Like, he also got me into snapbacks too, guys. Like, I got a shit ton of those in my closet. I, I haven't had a weave to wear them, but I do have a plethora of them to match my jerseys. Like, that transition to trucker hats for me. Dad had my first Von Dutch, my yo. Remember Von Dutch? Yeah, I want one so bad now, but uh, Uzi and, like, Chief Keep beat me to it. I was sick. Like, I got on a bandwagon. I thought about it too late. But, like, I've always had my NERD trucker hat, so, like, I always have my collection of those, so those are not going anywhere. Oh, and Pharrell, too, was, like, a big fashion guy to me, like, this whole skater essence, because I used to ride bikes. And, and, and now that you brought that out, I'm glad you brought that up. So, let, let's talk a little bit about White Kids in Reverse, because yeah. you know I will never forget White Kids in Reverse, bro. Um, I was going hard like, for White Kids in Reverse, bro. It was a production deal. I had me and my guy, Zach Melrose, um... I don't know, it just, well, I still do music, but just not under that umbrella. Like, sort of, kind of. It's like, I got into music licensing, he got more into fashion. So, like, you know, we still do music here and there, but it's not a unit. It was just more, when we were younger, it was just more like, that's what we are on together. But, you know, we get, we become adults. But, like, I'm still doing it. I want to get back into it heavy. Like, right he now, he needs to get stuff. back into it because we need his expertise. Like to me, whenever you told me you told me about White Kids Reverse, the first thing that came to my mind was like a baby Pharrell. Like that's the first thing that always comes. When I think of White Kids Reverse, I think of a mini Pharrell. Like yeah, that's my influence. Pharrell, Neptune's, Timbaland, NERD. I love like that sound era is crazy. It, their stuff now, their old stuff sounds like it shouldn't be out yet. Like they were a, they were like ahead of their time, bro. And I feel like with you, you're ahead of like even when it comes to, like to music and fashion, I feel like you're ahead of your time. I just, I don't know. I just like what I like. I just try to be whatever else is on. Because one, it's hard because I'm my side, so I can't. But like, like the other day, like my boy's talking about some shit called a Mary on Twitter. I have no idea what that is. I know it's some high fashion shit. Because they do talking about it. My man, Trini, <laughs> he's a Dior Don. So I know it's some ill shit. But like, I know it's just something I can never, ever pull up a rock with. But like, I just, I like different styles. Like, I have this Miller High Life crew neck. I got it at a thrift store in Chicago for like seven bucks. And everywhere I try to wear it. People go crazy over it. I'm like, yo, this is mad old. I'm just like, this is blue, and it has a whole Miller High Life logo. All I just literally had a Miller High Life, literally a 40 ounce. <laughs> like, I'm big on trucker hats. I got a lot of old school NASCAR hats like, before I was born. Like, I feel like people sleep product. on thrifting. Like, thrifting is, I'm an avid yeah, thrifter. Like, I live on freaking eBay. This is how I tell people all the time. I tell people to find church thrift shops or Salvation Armies. Find anything in your style. Once you go, you at least find one item. Get the item, take it to a drop cleaner, add it to your wardrobe. You're good to go. You'll save so much money. Like I've gotten so much heat, like rare hockey jerseys, rare uh, leather jackets. Like you, you'll find crazy good leather at the Hell yeah. All the time. Like I got a throwback varsity jacket from like I don't know who's. It's like a 2008 rec team, but like the stitching's crazy. It's heavy. It's warm. Took it to the cleaners. And a jacket cost me like twenty five bucks in total. I'm mad now that I sold my lot twenty nine jacket. I feel like I should have kept that joint. Oh my god! Especially because uh, iceberg is like back now, so that's heck yeah. Anymore. That's really super throwback. Like my Fubu jersey, I got. The I still got my Fubu. I got. I still got my Fubu varsity jacket, bro. Yeah. Like literally in the closet, I found that joint when I was home at my mom's. I was like, "Yo, my Fubu jacket." She was like, "That and my flight jacket." You remember when flight jackets you get them joints embroidered? <laughs> Yo, but like I feel like thrifting is like been like my best friend. Like a lot of my even with my Greek life, like I thrift and I turn it into paraphernalia because it's just like, bro, I'm not about to pay seventy dollars for some shit everybody else is wearing. I don't like looking like everybody else. Yeah. I want to have my own individual style and swag. Like I don't conform, yeah. and I feel like when I buy stuff everybody else got, I feel like I'm conforming. Like 
Even now, even with sneakers, sometimes I'm like, yo, bro, I don't want to buy these because Hypebeast blow me. Yeah, this snoops, I'm mad I gave away all my old things. But yo, me and you both, like bro. This, I got all my force back, so like I went and rebuilt all the force. So, like I just had to go. I know that sounds like a nutty thing to do, but no, that's what sneakerheads sneaker heads do, bro. I definitely cop several pairs of different colorways, but you know, either for me, it's either I thrift or I'm really big on graphic tees. So like anything with pop culture or some I grew up on, like. Uh, my brother's graduation, I wore the Men in Black lime green tee with the alien. I peeped that. Sweatpants were Nickelodeon Guts. Like, remember that show? Like, yep. Throwback show. I have that on DVD. I know no. You know they have. You know Dumb Good is another good site, too, that has a lot. That has Global Guts and all that shit. Dumb. Oh, that's. Yeah. I was, you know, oh, sorry. See, you this know. is why. Oh, yes. I didn't tell no one. I was telling no one about yeah. that. You know. Oh. I, already, I put so many people on, and they literally. I'm not, <laughs> Oops, I, my bad. I got this Duke uh, hockey jersey from a thrift store in Brooklyn, and um, I still have it to this day. It's one of my favorite joints ever. And a friend of mine actually, he's like, "Yo, where you get that jersey from?" Tell me exactly where I got it from. Then he's just gonna go there to thrift. And kid you not, that nigga went there and brought a hockey jersey. I was like, "Oh wow!" And it happens all the time. Yeah, like, that's how it is with me too. I I I can probably attest to that. Like. Out. Joe puts me on to some stuff, but I just don't share with people because I know niggas is not gonna try to give credit. Like y'all just really trying to be a Mister Me Too out here. Like y'all not even trying to do the research to find it on your own. You just trying to be a Mister Me Too. But dumb good is. It's a classic. That blockbuster, that blockbuster line is crazy. That's what and the Nerf line and that Nerf yeah. line? Yeah. The Nerf oh. is sick. Oh my god. My goodness. I mean, like, even right now, I'm wearing a, a different world graphic tee I could design myself. Yeah. Like I don't. I'm not trying to look like everybody else. Like I, I prefer to just have my own swag and you know pull it yeah. off. Yes, absolutely. So, how do you feel yeah, nice. of you having a close friend as myself that are females? I know you have a lot of female friends and like being in a relationship because I love his girlfriend Natalie. She's never around when I come around, but I love her so much. Yeah, she's watching uh, cheer. Um, it's not the honesty because I grew up around women. Like I was raised my mom, you know, stepfather, but like my mom was a single mom, so like. My youngest sister is nothing. And then, like, my, I grew up with uh, Brittany and Yala since third grade. Like, those are, so, like, it's just been part of my life. Like, I always have a female role, though. It's nothing. Like, it's, I don't know. And that is, like, the coolest like, ever. I feel like I relate to women, too, because, like, I'm super comfortable with my sexuality. Like, I'm straight, but, like, all that gay shit, like, that doesn't. That is, is, I don't, I can't explain it. Like, like I know a lot of my friends don't watch um, Legendary. On That's my Magic. fucking show. Exactly. I gotta when, watch this uh, week's episode. Had, when Vice had uh, my house on, like I know my boys wasn't watching that, but like I have friends in that community. I used to make beats for people like me. Like my shit is fire. So like I just have a different. You just got a different swag, bro. Yeah, I just be But see, that's what it is when you're a comfortable man and you're comfortable with yourself. Like, nothing can really intimidate you because, like, you know who you are. And also, I feel like when you're friends with women, you get game for women. Like, you know how to talk to them and treat them, you know what I'm like. And I like being around that, too. And the women smell nice. Like, they're just better than, like... like <laughs> Y'all think smell nice. Like, <laughs> you no, know, I got my niggas, but, like, women are fine. And then I always get... Just different aspects, especially like relationship shit, because like I'm very brash. I like shit the way I like, so like I know I could be bugged sometimes. So it's always great to have female friends who are like, yo, Nat did this, and they're like, whoa, no, Joe, you're fucking bugging. Right. You know what I hear? Like, you need that balance, especially because I'm hard headed. So this, like, is, this is valid. You know, this is valid truth. And it's like a family, because Nat loves all my female friends, vice versa. Like, it's just great. I just need Nat to be around when I come around, bro, because she's always going. She's in other right now, but she knows, you know, we're doing this. So she's watching cheer. She's chilling. I know. We're but I'm up. saying when I come home, I need her to be around for the aspects, for the vibes and the chills. You know what I mean? Yeah, please. Come around. So what are your thoughts on Black Lives Matter? Because everybody has their own perspective. Some people are like biased where they're like, wait, white people have taken that over. They're over the umbrella. Then you have people that are like, nah, it's still the purpose of it's Black Lives Matter. Yeah, I think the message is fire. The organization is, is, is nuts, I think. Like, it's so much... Confusion behind the organization that that should just not be important right now. And I think black people as a whole, we just focus on being there for each other. Like, I think all the tension we've been doing is great. The protest is fire. But I've just been seeing more and more 
people being helpful. Like, even little shit like little black kids outside of supermarkets ask for candy for their basketball uniforms. I see more and more black people like donate. Little shit like that, that shit helps. Every little thing helps. Hell so yeah. I think just like, you got that mindset, like, you see somebody black, all right, that'll help that person out. Like, that little dude came to me, and I asked no questions. I saw this basketball team, saw a little shark, it's $20. Go do your thing. Like, I'd rather you sell me candy that I'm not going to eat than fucking, you know what I'm saying? Like, try to get that another way. Water, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. Little thing. Like, I've seen a lot more black businesses opening up as long as the I fucking is love that, yo. I love to see more do, black you know businesses. And hard. I hope this shit, right. honestly, I hope it's not a trend that y'all just buying black because of it, because of Black Lives Matter, yeah. but y'all making it an, a first priority rather than an option. So I just hope, because there's so much confusion around like the actual organization where the money's to. So like, that's what everybody on my, even my Instagram so I was like, yo, just Google and do your research and find out where you want to do your money to personally. Like, do what you got to do. Any little bit helps. That shit happened on Fordham. I know people are going to clean it up or need to order supplies. Like, give them some money for that stuff. Like, you know, candlelight visual, like anything else. You don't got to feel pressured because you're black. Because on the other hand, I also feel like, yo, if you're black, everything right now, it's your time to just, just relax. You see other people on the front line, it's nice to see your white co-workers and your other people of color on the front line. Take that time to just take a day off and decompress because, again, it's also a lot. Like, it's a double, it's, it's you know, it's a lot going on. I feel like everybody has a part to play though in Black Lives Matter. Like you either gonna be on the front lines or you're gonna be the one that's on the background donating or you might be the person that likes yeah. to go vote. Like either way, everybody exercise your right yeah. to vote. Please vote people, vote, yeah. vote, vote. It's imperative to vote. But if you're gonna be on the front lines, I respect you, but don't chastise somebody who on the front lines just cause you don't wanna be yeah. out there. Let them do what they do. This is mad hot too. No, I'm sorry. I went to, oh that protest was crazy. I went to a candlelight visual. One dumb hot. Two like that. <laughs> Oh my God! I'm sitting there like mm, it's so hard being black right now. But what I mean most upset was I don't see most upset. No, there's all the two things, whatever. But this had me hot. We're in front of a statue of Martin Luther King, which is place in front of a courthouse. Wild, you know what they do us? And this chicks are singing a Negro spiritual. One, huh? <laughs> two, most singing Negro spiritual ever. Three, not in front of white people. You're bugging. So then I'm listening to the lyrics. Talk about the angels got us. I'm like, are we dying in the spiritual? Like, I'm so confused. Then she's like, I know you know this. Sing along, and I'm like, we don't. Like, are you kidding? No one knows this. Absolutely, no one knows this. Yo. That was such a wild moment. I was like, yo, like, that's what I don't like. I get what we're there for. We're like a Negro spiritual, and it's dumb hot. And like, you know, the cops there looking at us, you know, because oh shit, it's a bunch of people organizing. Like, I'm like, fam, huh? Yo, you're I wild. For thinking that, but like, as soon as she was like, "Y'all notice?" Oh, I was like, "No, we don't." All trying to yell through the don't back, speak no, for me. For this. Huh? Like, what? Fam. But that so even like brings that sometimes, and I'd be feeling like a bad black. See, <laughs> <laughs> that's how you're talking about pressure. You know what I'm saying? Pressure, pressure to be black. What's the proper way to be black? Like I feel like some people, they really do pressure you to be black. Like I feel like there's an unwritten code of a proper way to be black in your own culture, and you probably don't even know about wow. it. That shit, wow. But pressure. coming to being black, you're in the culinary profession. What called you to this? Um, well, like when I love food, and like I've always been fat, and I've been cooking since third grade. My mom just used to teach me how to cook. He's a washer. But like, I just needed a life change. I was at a job that was getting nowhere. I ended up quitting. I don't know what the fuck I was gonna do. My girlfriend, Nat, uh, she was bartending at the time. Um, you know, she's a dental assistant now on her job, Jenna's shit, killing. She was like, yo, you should ask uh, Daryl, the head chef in the kitchen, if you would like work with him. I feel like he can like train you, whatever. And the rest was history. I came in, you, I came in one day, and he said, uh, most people don't last three months. Um, so like see what you got and like two, I made it to executive chef in two years like from dishwasher to executive chef that's some real shit I had a kosher spot no less I was at a kosher spot when I made executive chef so I'm a black chef at a kosher spot killing unheard of so that like, is yeah. that's like a fucking unicorn bro yeah I was doing numbers like when uh, my manager at the place taught me how to do the books and like was teaching food costs and like what my labor output should be because I was hiring my own staff 
So when I got hired, they were down 13,000. And after three months of me like being in that position, killing, I had them up 18,000 a month. Like I was killing. Wow, like, that's was major, bro. My, that was my shit. Yeah. That's major. So like, what's so, your favorite dish to, to make? Cause I, I, I be seeing, I seen in the past, you know, you was over here, you know, making some, some puree, sweet potatoes laying on a bed. Of, I'm like, oh, okay, this is real fancy shit. Like, oh no, that was lower. Uh, puree is. Let me tell you, his pernee, yo, my nigga has a Puerto Rican, this point, yo, his pernee is on point, bro. Period. Honestly, that might be my third, favorite thing to make because like, it's one of my favorite things to eat flip because from there, I always do like a nacho. Like, uh, it's a restaurant over that we used to do that and turn it into barbecue nachos. But like the pernee behind the pork is different from this like pulled pork to the white pulled pork. Like, yeah, nah. But the flavor, the time behind it, mind blowing. But um, I don't know. I always say like, if I want to show up, or I just want to like out the gate, just let you know what time it is. My my mac and cheese is like people love that shit. I'm tired of making it. Oh but, like, yeah, that shit do, is that shit is a one. That shit is. Uh, it's like sex in your mouth. Swear to God. Salmon, mac and cheese, and always a vegetable. I love a good uh, blanched broccoli or blanched asparagus and garlic and butter. You can never go wrong with that shit. It's a good, nice snap. That with mac and cheese and salmon you can never go wrong. It balances well. And my salmon is like, that should also melt. Like, I can't explain, like, I've always perfected. That was a big thing at the kosher spot. Salmon, tuna steak, a lot of sea bass. You know, it was like fine dining, $30 plates, but that's nothing. So what do you feel Because you were at A kosher spot What do you feel It was hardest, the hardest aspect Of that Being a black man Being in that facility Or in general In the um, in the profession It's just I think the profession period Because before I was at A kosher spot I was at uh, Levity Live Comedy Club And uh, I started as a line cook And within Two nights I was A headline cook Like right under the head chef Because I was On every station It's just like They kind of think You don't know shit Because mm-hmm. you're a black dude in the culinary but it's not like what he felt like especially me when they found like I don't have any culinary trainer but like people look at me and tell me I love food like you kidding me you don't know what I, I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> that stupid I train under like Chef like, Chef Daryl's an executive chef like he trained in Paris he was coming with tails and French basins like he was the best he worked with Chef Ramsey Bobby Flay so this man trained wow and this man tells me that certain dishes I can make better than him so that's like the ultimate boost of comedy so I go hell like, yeah Cause what nigga you know like, telling you that you make something better than them? Ain't no fucking body doing that shit. And this dude cooks better than me. Blindfolded, like I don't ever want to hear that shit. I hate when he says that. So it's just like you gotta go in and just be prepared to deal with bullshit. Like at Levity, the head chef he expects food, so he doesn't cook anymore. So I'm doing all the cooking, and there's another gentleman, and there's a guy in a fry station. But he tells you you can't cook, you can't talk in line, which is fucking unheard of, or you can't talk to the talent. Our talent is young black and people of color comedians. So they see someone that looks like them finally. It's a different story. Like, I didn't know I was a new guy. So I remember, for example, uh, Donnell Rollins comes in and he's putting his order with the chef, whatever. And the chef points to me and was like, This is the guy you talked to, whatever. And he was like, Oh, yeah, a new dude. And he's black. And like, kind of mush up, but joked. And like, every time he came to visit after that, he came directly to me to order fruit. Oh, yeah, you A1. Like, so I started cooking from the green room and like I wasn't supposed to talk to the talent but like you had no choice at one point I remember I'm in the back prepping because the prep room is across from the green room so Monique is coming through and she's on her way the comedian Monique? yeah Monique and she's on her way like to the green room and she stops me and she's like oh babe what you doing? and I'm uh, bringing down a chicken and I was like I'm just bringing down this chicken you know, bringing down this meat whatever and she was like oh I'm a vegetarian so I don't eat meat anymore and then she was like Looked at me, smiled, like touched the side of my face, was like, that could change. And then started asking me about my engagements, like, just interactive with the, like, and I'm in a position where, like, my boy's telling me I can't talk to you, but, like, yo, I'm talking to you because, like, they're so shocked that someone that looks like them is behind. They always mention, like, how is someone black in the kitchen? Like, they, same thing with, um, Mike Epps. He didn't even eat the food. They told me, like, every time he comes in, he orders Tony Romas. And I remember he saw me back there. He straight up was like, yo, no disrespect, but I don't eat this. But he was like, yo, if you want to stay after the show, like, I'll order some food, you can come show it us. And go order the ribs for him and his crew, invited me back there, lit me up. Like, shit's crazy. I got to meet Nick Cannon, and I fucking love Nick Cannon. <laughs> I seen that picture. Oh, I was crying, like, so crazy before. And the story behind this was, 
my manager Tucker at the time, I love Tucker, I wish I could see this dude again. He knew how much I loved Nick Cannon, and he was like, yo, Joe, guess who called? I'm like, who? He was like, your boy. I said, Nick Cannon. Said, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what you mean? He was like, yo, he's called because he wanted to do a quick show real quick, like, unplanned, like, and the only reason I told him, yeah, because I know you love him, so, like, I told him you could do it. And the That's was like, love for real, like, yo. after nothing. So, like, you can't talk to him, you're not supposed to stay active, but I was like, yo, Tucker, can I meet him? He was like, yo, of course you can. That's the only reason I told him, like, he could perform here. That's so real. He was all lupus stuff. I didn't even know. He told me he loved my wings. They were amazing. And then that's how I found out how uh, that dude, Rip Michaels, is a fucking, like, saint. He was making sure they had water. He was making sure he was, his health was good. Like, they were really a family. And I saw all right there. Like, you can see how tired he was. And Nick still was on stage making jokes. So took the time to take the picture of me, all that. So what's up, talking to me. I was, that shit was crazy. I'll never forget that. I got the fucking meeting Nick Ken. The but way he's talking better, about Nick, y'all. Is the way I feel about Amanda Seals. Like, period. Like, I go hard. Like, oh my God, what the fuck? Period. So, like. Oh, I'm glad. So, you would know. What was that with the insecure party or whatever? When, like, there was beef with that. And then I read something that there was some doctor she was trying to get with. And, like, she accused him. I don't know if it was touching her inappropriately or maybe something. But, like, the real story was, like, he kind of curved her. So like what what do you like? So it was it was was never the fact that she curved him, as a much of it was pretty much where she found out where she pretty much had a mutual friend or a mutual follower, where somebody knew the dude, and because they knew the dude and knew Amanda, they kind of gave her the forewarning of to look out for him. So pretty much, long story short, I'm not gonna get into the details because we already know the details, but. Long story short, he tried to come on to her. She kind of already knew his background. You know Amanda. Amanda's a real one. She called him, pulled his card, let him know what it was. And it pretty much became this big thing of what it wasn't when she pretty much just paying, like, let him know, like, he's pretty much a sex offender. Like, watch out for him. Like, he preys on women. And supposedly she had him where he she tarnished his name. And when in reality, like, niggas were switching her words on the Red Pill podcast and where she had to go on and they had to give her a public apology. Because, you know, everybody loves to switch Amanda's words. Because she's so real and raw about it. People aren't used to hearing the truth. So they try to make their own truth to make it sound like it's truth. So that's pretty much what happened. And it was nothing crazy. Because if you know Amanda well enough or like follow her enough, you'll know like she's not on the time for the bullshit. But if it's something like she said all the time, we are each other's business. She's going to warn any female that comes in contact with this dude and let people know like y'all are my business because y'all are my culture. So it is my business to share this information. So is her comedy special worth watching? It damn sure is. I be knowing is the fucking shit. Uh, her feet are crazy. I didn't know. That. Oh my god! I saw a picture on the gram. Oh my god! <sighs> I did not see that coming. You would never. If I was her, I would never wear heels again. I that. Oh. <sighs> You're out of pocket, bro. Okay, but, uh, no, I don't know. Because I just like. I don't know how you let your feet get like that, and you. I feel like that's so important. Like, it's such an important part of you. Like, you can't be all there if your feet are like that. Like, something... That's such an important part of your body. Like, your feet. That's like things with your feet. I don't know. That's how I feel I with dudes and their nails. When their nails aren't clean and you have dirty fingernails. Well, I get my nails done. I get manicured. Well, we I already know this. You, we know you keep yourself groomed. But not every man does. And we know, like... That's a major thing for me. Like, if your teeth are fucked up, if your nails aren't done... If you're not yeah. trying to make sure your appearance is at least up to par where it's presentable, I will not. Yeah. I will not be seen with you. Yeah, absolutely. I will not. So, what changes? We kind of diverge a little bit. What changes do you really actually want to see in the industry? Like you said, you've met Monique, you've met Nick Cannon, which is like somebody you really admire. What change do you feel like you want to see in the industry for people in the that are our talent to feel more comfortable? Like, yo, I can eat here, I can break bread, I know they're gonna look out, I know I'm good. It's just honestly like I know a lot of people say like it's up to us and it is, but like there's a lot of white people in power. Like Viacom owns BT, VH1, MTV, MTV two, comedy like they own Mad Network. So you would think BT's black owned, but it's not. It's not. And I think Viacom it might be CBS and Paramount. Like, it's so... Yeah, because CBS is supposed like, to be airing Black BET Awards today, and that's the first time ever. There needs to be more... Like, everything's so in a loop. Like, Paramount owns this, that, and the third. One of us, like, when I did music license, like, you find out where different stuff goes. So I think people who call it Black people at this point, we should just have our own content ready. I guess it's ready to bring to the networks, or 
become your own entertainment industry. And then like little stuff like BT, like why doesn't BT have news anymore? Why doesn't there, why isn't there a Word. black Why isn't there a black sports segment? Like everything these other networks have, why doesn't BT just I feel like Mark news? Mark Lamont Hill would be the best person for BT News. He's like, so dope. So much stuff going on. My son uh Bonnie Jones, whatever, Bonnie Jones, he'd be great for a sports segment. Like I get so confused as to why that's not available. Like Martin's fire all day, I get it. I love fucking Martin. I'm not gonna front. I've seen clips of um, I think the Oval. Mm-hmm. I love that show. I watched it for what it is. So like it's great. It's that drama is hilarious. Like I, was I love sisters too. But like it's fire that he's doing shit like that. So like his plays are undefeated. His movies, uh, no thank you. But like at least he's out here. But like even Tyler Perry, like let's go. Right. And you have like, and you only only I think the only network that we have that's black owned is own, which is Oprah Winfrey Network. That's like the yeah. only. What about TV One? Because that's just not an HD, so that shit might be black. Yeah, TV. Uh, oh, you have Aspire too, because Aspire is owned by Magic Johnson. Yeah, I do have Aspire. You got Bounce TV as well. Bounce, I think, is owned by black people as well. I got old T, so we don't have Bounce, but I do have Aspire. I want Bounce because I saw um Ogilvy and T. The yeah, I'm, like, what? I'm gonna have to give you my login for for Spectrum because you know down oh, south they got they got that joint down here. You know. Yeah, I need all that black content, boy. Yeah, I miss those dudes, like stuff like that. So like, I just think like LeBron's coming out with that media company. I really want to see like what's Yo, up. Yo, I'm so happy for him. Who are killing? Like my man does a game show during quarantine. Like that should I be that. like a game show. Like. A real life set, so I really want to see what these people are talking about. And Amanda also got like Smart Funny and Black, which she does like every Tuesday, and Smart Funny Black in the crib. The content is out there. Content, like uh, we have endless content. It's just that we don't have enough platforms to do it. Yeah. So, so like, speaking of industry, you're a sneakerhead, which we know. Who are your major influences on your sneaker game? Um, honestly. I'm still big on that really big like SB 05, 09 era. It was a nice line for SBs. Like even late 2010, 11, maybe it was kind of hard too. But like I'm still into that. Like I still have SBs. Um, as far as like I love Jordans always. My favorite Jordan is the four. So like I'm a type of guy like I'll buy multiple pairs of fours just in different colors, which I do add. Like that's just me. The old self, I just buy everything that was hot. I was a huge babe head because of Wayne and Pharrell. Yo, you know, I still have my babe hoodie. All the time. Like, the sneakers, heavy, heavy. Um, yeah, man. Of course. Oh, Air Raids, like, just classic Nike joints. Like, our tempos. Like, I still have a few stuff that. Have. Yo, like, I love them. I'm in, I, rem, I miss British Knights. Those are my fucking sneaker, bro. Oh, I haven't heard that in a long time. British wow. Knights were, like, the fucking creme de la creme of sneakers, bro. That's crazy. The BK, the logo. Was, like, was that the diamond... The yes, like, the diamond with the BK, bro. Like back, and then they used to have the little thing. We put it across your thing, and it used to click with the little every time you put yeah. the thing across. Yo, with the troop swish, uh, sweat outfits. Thing. Okay, with the starter jerseys back in the day when they had the starters. Okay, with the starter yeah, jackets. I'm starter. my black folk starter joint. A few starter jerseys. I'm most proud of my CCM hockey jerseys. I mean, those are. There's one jersey out. Joe has his eye on that he will never get. That's in my closet that he wants to this day. He be trying to trade me for this Chicago Blackhawks jersey for the longest. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> oh, you got some heat. Because you have a good year for that jersey, too. Because the, the hockey jersey contract was so weird. So you got like a nice year when like, that shit was great quality. That's hard to come by. And then uh, I think you have a stadium series jersey that's ill. It was mad hard to get. But like, the collection is uh, serious. Oh my god, you're a Hornish. Um, Joint with the fives. You had that way before J. Cole. Oh, yeah. The fives. Like, you had that since. Yeah, before J. Cole had that, rocking that. I was rocking that, bro. It's like 10, 15 years old, and you kept yours in mint. When I saw that, I thought you immediately and you like, yo. (laughs) But that's how it happened, though. Like, it takes one. And so, like, and you know I'm big in the '90s, like I, I'm stuck in the '90s. So anything '90s, I'm I'm here for it. Great era. They need to bring those NBA uniforms back. That was the best. Yo, era. bro, who are you telling? Like, especially with the with the warm ups. Oh my god, great, greatest. 
I feel like the quality of warm-ups are not the same. I'm, I'm in the process of now looking at warm-ups. Even, even for the WNBA, I'm looking at the old warm-ups they wore back when, like, Lobo was on the team and Witherspoon, Teresa Witherspoon. Like, you can't find none of those jerseys for unless you thrift. Because Nike now is with technology. Like, so, like, even the new Nike jerseys are, like, some weird airborne mesh. Like, I, when I got my, when I made the Kobe jersey, the Raptors with the 81. Yeah. I'm on the back. The new material for the jersey is like some lightweight. It is. Even it's like some some thing. like workout warm up jersey joint. Yeah. And that's how it is. Just like with dry fit, it's crazy because that's how it is when I got my Kiwan Garage jersey I just got from Magic's Orlando Magic. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, this feels like a practice jersey type joint. Like. And look at my other jerseys. Like, no, nah, like what happened? But like, that's the new because it's more for the player. Like, it's really they're wearing it to not sweat. But it's like, give me a break. Right. Give me the quality <laughs> shit. I want the quality shit. Yeah. So we're we already know we're big sneakerheads, and I don't think you and I have really ever camped out for kicks, kinda ever. No, I've never. Cause remember, we came up in the era where like that wasn't a thing because like we could get the kicks. Yeah, we just go right to the gal. Maybe it started when whenever those cool grades dropped on a weekday. I think that's when it kind of started. Where like yeah, but like, even still, like you knew Saturday, you could still get them. Like. Yeah, because Saturday we always, I would literally walk into the store, yeah. ask for my size, and be out on Saturday mornings. Like, yeah. it was, like, remember I told you the days with me, Jazzy, Jazzy, and all of us used to literally go on Saturday mornings to the gal, get the same yes. sneaker, and wear them on Mondays to school. Like, but also, too, for us, we started at the generation where we literally were into kicks. Like, so a lot of what they're throwing out now, we have the old quality shit. Like, yeah, and it's different materials. Yeah. Because my, uh, even my bread fours. Are from I don't know what retro they are because they're thirteen point five and you can't ever find that size anymore. Damn! So like that's how yeah that's how that's what you're running for. And my paint is coming off because they haven't been worn forever. So when I started to wear them, like you know the paint oh you know off. I got a person for that a yeah. sneaker restorer for that. That's how oh, that's yeah. how I'm, you, you know all my sneakers are coming apart because I've been having them since we were, I was in seventh grade. Wear your sneakers because if you don't wear them and you start to put them on, they will fall apart. The first pair that ever happened to was. I had two pairs of fire red fours. I had the spitz like ones and then I had the regular ones. I didn't wear the spitz like ones because Spike Lee was on the side. Let them sit in a box for three years, put them on twice, and like was running around and, and the soles started to peel a little bit. And I was like, oh, you gotta wear these. I mean, but your sneakers are gonna come apart regardless because I yeah. wear mine and I've had mine literally since I was in seventh grade, which was literally 19, almost 18, 19 years ago. But I'm getting now. I'm just restoring them because I know I'm not gonna get the same quality. I'm not about to buy another same pair of sneakers when I yeah. know I'm not gonna get the same quality. So I'll just get them restored. Box. Remember, you used to get the card. Yep, I still have mine. Yep, that was sick, yo. Especially, especially during the the old five release when he had the silver box when he had the eighty five for the twenty year anniversary. Yes, I still have all those cards. Oh yes, oh my god, that was a crazy time. We're talking real sneaker talk. If you if you just got into the sneaker game, you're probably not new to this. If you probably were probably a wee a wee toddler into the game you don't know what we're talking about but like this was our middle school high school year so like we was we was hitting the pavement hard because nike will release sbs one day for the first day they'll be like stupid dirt cheap i feel like if we were still in the era we were in back when we were growing up with sneakers i feel like those chunky donkeys would have been easy to cop yeah yo that was sick i was so mad i I couldn't get them joints so but because the thing that killed me was certain sneaker shops, no, certain skate shops were supposed to get physical pairs. And because of Corona, like, that never happened. So I'm calling the skate shops and all of them are closed because of Corona. So I'm like, what happened to that chance of me going into a store to get them? Like, is it just over? And then, like, food balls got them. And I saw people, like, eating ice cream out of them, putting them in waffle cones. I was like, what is happening? Yo, I was so sick, bro. I was so was sick. So and I feel like people line up now more for sneakers than they do to vote. So this is why I'm saying y'all have to vote. The same energy y'all give when y'all want to kill another black man, black woman, and fight over some damn Jordans for a release. Have that same energy and thirst when it comes to the polls. I get it. But you got to think about, I know the electoral college. People feel discouraged. At least at the end of that sneaker line. But see, some people don't know. Give, give people some background on the electoral college, Joe, because some people don't know about the electoral college. You know, if you get that shoe... Uh, a certain amount of votes equals what? Or some I don't know some shit like. I forgot that she works. I've been in school a long time, but like, where like New York is a mostly Democratic state, so like, kind of know where we're leaning, and we get a certain amount of votes for our population. Some shit I don't know. You can edit this and post whatever. <laughs> but like, just for example, like um, 
everyone who voted for Hillary Clinton in New York and like Hillary won in New York or whatever and then Trump became president that's discouraging you voted you thought you were going to make a difference Trump won that shoe on the other hand you get that shoe that shoe's going on the gram oh no if it I'm going to get with this if you don't get that shoe you'd be sick but there's other options it's just like I think each is own. And then honestly, like, with the government, there's so many layers. Some people believe the government's corrupt, like, especially when a person of color, I mean, like, you know how to get down. Like, it's just so much to unpack. I feel like if more people were informed, if we have more people who, in politics, look like us, I guess that starts with a vote. But, like, how do you trust a system that's done so wrong? This is true. And it wasn't built, a system that was never built for us. Yeah. So it's like, I don't fault people for not voting or, like, I feel you because our ancestors fought for the right to and to not vote. Like, you have that right. So, like, exercise your right any way you can help. But then I also think, again, like, really about that Black Lives Matter, you might not vote. You see a black kid struggling or something, like, do something, like, anything you can. Because that gift, I feel like that energy passes on. Like, you never know. And I, like you said, there is a fear. So, like, what is your fear given, like, everything that's going on? Like, George Floyd was the beginning of the revolution being televised. As a black man, what is your biggest fear that you feel like you have to fear dearly when you go out the door, or even even being in your own house right now? Um, honestly, it's, my biggest fear is just being targeted because of my stature. So, like when I go, I got a really bad back. I have to go on walks in my neighborhood to try to like relieve tension. When I go on walks, I get looked at funny. A big black dude walking through like suburb suburbs. I guess like it's just like it's scary. Driving a car, getting pulled over. Like I got pulled over last week, you know, in 77 and 55, when everyone else was also in 77. But, like, you always can't help but feel, is it a black thing? But you let the people know what you was driving, though. The cop is going to ticket. Oh, nice car. I drive an Audi. It's a 2012, though. Nothing crazy. Doesn't matter. He owns this. It's his. It's his. He paid for it up front. Okay? No debt attached to it. Got TVs so, watching Martin in the car. Pop a sunroof open everything. A Audi, okay? It don't matter. Just the point of matter is his. That's that's the point I'm trying to make. So like it's just you never know what's gonna happen. And then again, like I'm so big, I got a beard. I guess my voice is deep. I don't know. It's just it's annoying. Like that you can't see how I feel like you don't feel like you're a threat, but you gotta feel like does this person think I'm a threat? Exactly. And how I'm gonna react. And then like especially with the too many Karens like, in the world, too many Karens. Yeah, and I feel like we gotta stop calling them Karen because it makes it like funny, and that shit is not funny. Because like the other day, I pull up, I got the handicap sticker for my car because you know there's metal in my spine. This lady waits for me to get on my car. I'm gonna wait to sue my girl. I'm asking, she's like, "Really, really?" I'm like, "What? You don't look handicapped." Oh, okay. Oh, what lady? You thought I was gonna walk away? Like, oh, you got the right one. I gave her all that ignorance she was looking for. Told her sub this, mind your effing business. <laughs> well, sub this is the last part. But like, I gave her ample tuning to relax. Like. I was like, yo, it's metal on my back. Mind your business. She still kept going. I hope you can walk as good as you walking now. Like, I got a nasty look. Like, what are you talking about? Curse her clean out. You're a creep. I swear the fuck I am. Get out of my face. And she pulled off. But, like, that's what I'm saying. Mind your business. You were in your car, in your own handicap space. Get ready to leave the supermarket. Go, like. Mind the business that pays you, because mind the yeah. mind is not. You're out on my payroll, my dear. Yeah. I'm not with that. Like, I'm not going to record you. Like, I'm cursing you. Get the fuck out of here. Like, that shit is crazy. So what do you feel your purpose is as a black man on this earth? Given you have ignorant motherfuckers like that that's harassing you just by you being you. I feel like my purpose as a black man is just to live and be happy, man. Like, I know, like, coming up, they always tell you, and not they, but you hear, especially where I'm from, like, people like you, we don't make it to 16. Then you hear 18. You hear 21. Then you hear 30. And when you hit these milestones as a black man where I'm from, like, that shit is a big deal. That shit is fire. So, like, I'm getting old. Like, my hair not coming in as thick as illustrious is. You know what I'm saying? Not I'm illustrious. <laughs> I want a hair for yours, but I'm like, yo, I'm getting old, and that's fire. Because, like, I'm seeing, like, like You're I've, reaping I've the benefits friends. that many yeah. couldn't. I've lost friends at a young age to, like, crazy shit. Just life, like, that shit is whack. Like, there's people I wish I was here right now. Like, I was here with, like... I think about that shit all the time. I think about Storm all the time. Yo, I love Storm. Okay, y'all don't know who Storm is, but Storm is one of our close friends. Like, literally, he used to live down. The reason why I got so close to Joe, because he was so close to Storm. 
And John John to me, which I called him John John, he lived down the hill from me. And he used Joe used to always be on our bus. And we had assigned buses in middle school. This nigga was always on our bus. He lived on Ferris. Why are you always on the Battle Hill bus? Because you do not live over here. But him and Storm were so close. He would always go to Storm's crib after school. But Storm used to live not far from me. So we used to always like play ball together, ride bikes, do whatever, and chill. And during the summer months, of course, we would all hang out all the time on the hill. So like I got close with Joe because of Storm. And that's one of our fortunate friends that got lost is like way too young. Um, that I miss every day, bro. Like yeah. summers weren't the same after that. He's the reason I started doing music because he told me he saw Zach walking around white planes with a keyboard and zebra pants, and he was like, "Yeah, I know you still do production, like hook with Zach." So I did because that's my man. So I knew, like, yeah, man. So like, I just think like it's getting old is fire. Like, I told him all the time, like, yeah, you get old, but like that's the plan. Like you want to get old. Like I tell my female friends all the time, yo, you age like a wine. I'll even Google the wine that's like their complexion so be more specific. Like, don't sweat that shit. That shit is fire. You get old. And, I, and I'm excited to turn 30, though, because I feel like yeah, people yeah. like Justin Moore, which y'all know, Justin Moore is one of my yeah. close friends that I grew up with that was in my age bracket that Joe knows as well. And he lost his life young and didn't get to see yeah. 30. Like, a lot of our friends have lost their lives at young ages, um, whether it be to medical or just crazy nonsense, like senseless, senseless, senseless lives being taken. It's just like, it's a milestone. And I'm so excited to turn 30 because I know a lot of my friends who aren't going to see 30 or haven't seen past 27 or 28 or had that opportunity to say, yo, I'm here and I'm able to flourish. So like, that's major. And I just also like, my also big thing is with black men, I love y'all to death. Joe will tell you, I'll send him random messages like, yo, my black brother, I just love, I just want to let you know I love you today. Like, like you're the shit, like. Just in general, because I don't think black men get enough credit. But at the same token, I'm feeling like, yo, why don't black men always ever want to protect a sister? Some, not saying you in general, but like, why do you think it's the, always a resonance when black men sometimes we don't want to protect us black women? I know this sounds nuts and I'm sound super like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to sound like, but like, that shit really goes back to slavery. Like, I just, I think about that shit all the time. So when this question comes up, like, I try to like find some sort of twist because like no we we want just be real podcast drop that be real bomb for us one time even growing up like just like seeing like my mother in different relationships and different dynamics like you just like you just wonder where the divide comes from sometimes but like as she goes down to like them bringing us over here oh your family okay cool you're gonna work in this field wife's gonna work in this field you're gonna come over here have sex you like to give me kids um, when your kids are born, you dip, but have sex. So, like, it's just like that shit gets passed down and it just inherited and flipped. And I feel like it just starts with healing. And it's mad communication, honestly, because that shit is like, it's just open communication all the time. Like, and it just has to start with a conversation. Because, like, the dynamic is like some people say, like, black women can be conversational and have attitude. And coming up in middle school when I was young, I just say that same shit. When it comes from a white girl, it's like it's okay. A Spanish girl's like it's fiery, but like you know, you gotta sit back and think. It's just an open dialogue, and I think each everyone's experience is different. But like that's a really good conversation. Like, and it just comes down to little stuff like <clears throat> put your put yourself in that position. Like, how would you feel if you were this woman? And it's just like, it's a conversation that needs to be had, honestly. Because if black women are feeling protected, it's a conversation that needs to be for. And I'm glad you said that. Because it is and a conversation. Start, and then start with the black women around you. Start with your mom. Start with your sister. Like, start there. And, you know, because what, like, if black women feel that way, I'm honestly sorry they do. But as a conversation that's being brought to the forefront. I, I definitely and, agree with you a thousand percent. Because I feel like that's a conversation, a dialogue that's not had enough. And it's kind of like swept under the rug where it's like it becomes a microaggression that you don't even know that's subtly happening, but it's like it's happening. You're like, well, where the hell did this come from? Like, why are you snapping on me? Well, did you take the time to ask her and find out where her what her journey was and how she got to where she is before you got to her? Like, did you try to understand and pick up those try to not mend the pieces, but like take that piece and be like, okay, I see what this is. So how can I help you as a black man protect you and make you feel comfortable? I don't think enough of that conversation's had. So that's why I wanted to ask you because I know me and you have those conversations all the time. But I don't feel like a lot of 
black women have the opportunity to have to be fortunate enough to have guys that or guy male figures around them outside of like maybe even their dads to have that security to feel like yo i know some shit go down i know he got me mentally spiritually emotionally my homie got me like so that's why i wanted to pose that question because i know you've had that opportunity because you have like you said your mom your sisters your grandma females around you in general that I don't think a lot of men take the time to do that because kind of just like, yo, I'm going to make her my homie, but I'm trying to smash. And that's the first thing they think about. Not realizing, well, what trauma has she faced or what could be embedded in her brain to have her operate the way she operated? Because sometimes females is like me. I ain't trying to fuck, but you just a homie. Like, you legit a homie. Like, I kick it with you because I fuck with you like a bro. Like, it ain't nothing more, nothing less. But it's also helping me to have an understanding of the black man's mind where I don't automatically make a prejudice or a false assumption off the rip because like well damn yo that is true like shit that that could that could be a, a mindset where that could have fu- my head be fucked up too like it, it brings a common understanding and a consensus to know how to progress forward and i think that's especially needed right now in society because i feel like with brianna taylor nobody's giving the same energy they're giving to george floyd and i'm not discrediting george floyd but the energy's not given as it was for george floyd and it's starting to die down and it's like well damn what now? I think the energy's being misdirected because with George Floyd, it's, I always say, honestly, it's different when you see shit. Like, you knowing something, it's different from you seeing it. With George Floyd, his murder was caught on camera. So you seeing him die True. and be murdered on camera from you hearing about these cops busting in and letting off all these shots and her being hit eight times. So like when you see the, on Instagram, it's been the the New York Times, I don't know, like that Times, like comic strip S telling the stories yeah. of these people in here. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that helps, but again, it, I feel like it determines black trauma. What I'm seeing with Breonna Taylor is, like, I'm, just, I'm loving the petitions. I'm loving the click the link and it sends you the email. You just fill in your name and yeah. your state. Fire. What I'm seeing a lot of is, like, the memes, the memifications, like, 10 recipes to brighten up your spring food. And yeah. Like, one. Or so, like, that's just not cute. Like, put some fucking I'm not here on. for that. I'm and not then, here for that. Like, don't try to trick me into drawing attention. Like, we all here, we know. Like, that's the shit that's bothering me. Like, just put, you know what I'm saying? Do your part. Don't. Um, Don't try to finagle and yeah, finesse. That, that shit, that shit in the memes and like quirky moments. Like, that shit's not. That shit's nah, not I agree with like, you. That shit is not it for me neither. Crazy. So, but like. No, go ahead. Even seeing like George Floyd, like, it's whack that we have to see black trauma and black death, a constant stream and wave. Like, in order to get attention. Like yeah, corporate real, I mean, corporate is now acting great, like man. being black is something new. Let's have yeah, the conversation of how being know. inclusive is. Okay, well my nigga, we've been having the black check mark on boxes for the ever and I we've been trying to I'm sure you guys have had a quota for yeah. your minorities, so why are we acting like this is something new? And he just stop telling like the only black person always to run the fucking black knowledge course and like sensitivity training, like nah. Hire some outside people like Get that shit. That shit is crazy. Like I've heard so many stories of people I know working in the corporate world who are like, "Yo, I'm the only black person, person of color," and now they're looking at me to like ask questions and like tell people what to say and what's PC and what's cool. I'm like, "Yo, that's not your job. Like, you need to do your job." Right. Someone trying to handle that shit. Like, that's whack. Like, that alone is just like that is infiltrating, and that makes you. I feel like it makes you feel uncomfortable. What do you like? Like what? Because I'm not, but that's the thing too. I don't speak for every black person. So asking my perspective is just my perspective. Yeah. I just think it's crazy. So right now in life, what, who or what is your biggest inspiration to kind of like keep you pushing even with everything going on in society? Um, I just want not to get too much into it. Um, because I'm in a nasty situation with my child's mom. She's a white woman. So I'm gonna say so. Uh, my three-year-old daughter keeps me pushing. She's in my head every day. Um, my girlfriend Nat, she's a big fucking support. She's every way like she's so bright and such a sweetheart. I just want to make her happy. I want to make her proud. I just want to make sure she's she's good. So I want to work hard on to where like she doesn't need shit. So those two factors really keep me going. Of course, my family, my mom, but like totally we go fuck about honestly. Like that's really it. Yeah. <laughs> So that being said, since we're going to come to a conclusion, what would be your best advice, I would say, to either the culture, the community, or anybody looking to join the culinary profession, looking towards fat swag, being of a bigger size male, 
Um, my best advice, I want to say like my mom to so and time, love yourself. And my mom used to say that shit all the time, whether joking, being serious. There used to be times where like I would go in and give my mom a hug, and like, I love you. She used to like duff, duff my hug, give me a finger, I would go, love yourself. But then like still give me a hug, but like just fucking love yourself. That shit really starts there. Like you love yourself, you feel like you're the shit, and no one can tell you anything. And that helps I transition that into like this glass half full. Like I get down about things sometimes. That shit really fucks me up. But you just gotta look at what you have in front of you, what's going great, and keep the energy positive. I've speak I've spoken so much negative shit into existence. It's ridiculous. Like it's hilarious almost. It is hilarious. Like it's hilarious and fire because I've spoken to so much negative shit into existence. And then when I speak positively and have that good energy, it's the same way. So I just gotta remember that shit. Like the power of the tongue, energy, is that shit is heavy. real. That shit is real. Like vibes whatever i know people say vibes but like the energy that shit is real so it's always trying to be positive and i know it's fucking hard but black it's just tough as fuck it's trash sometimes i know but you know fuck it man we here we here yo well joey vandana i appreciate you homie for even rocking with me today bro because oh, you know taking the time out educating us giving us some enlightenment on your world and your life oh. For having me, I feel honored. Thank you so much. Let the people know where they can find you, follow you, see some of your cool content, um, your swag, all of that. You can find me at at Joey Vandana on Instagram and Twitter. Vandana is V A N D A N A. Of course, Joey's a J O U I. Uh, same with oh, and uh, you can follow my food blog on Instagram Forever Bodegas. It's great. It's fun. It's food. It's class. It's me. <laughs> well, people, that was Joey Vandana. And this was I Got the Drip, I Got the Soul. So as you always say on air, let's keep it real. Be real, be true, and always be unapologetically you. Just be real over and out. Well, that was the episode. I got the drip, I got the sauce with Joey Vandana. I appreciate y'all for coming through. And always on air, keep it real. Peace and blessings. I got a saga to drill. 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 Put a little shit out of here. 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 I got a saga to drill, 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 put a little shit out of here, put a little shit out of here, put a little shit out of here, man, so much shit out of here,